Amen. So as I begin here, um, y'all have probably said this before. You heard somebody say this. Why do bad things happen to good people? You've either heard someone say that or you've probably said that yourself. Um, that's a question I often hear. Um, why do bad things happen to bad people? No one's ever said that. Why do good things happen to good people? Or why do good things happen to bad people? Because all of those are true. But we only concentrate on the fact that bad things happen to good people. So who is good? You know, when we say, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, who's good? In other words, what, what, are we, what are we using as our gauge to say, well, they're good or they're bad and I'm good and or vice versa? The Bible says there's no one good. No, not one. There's none that is righteous. That, there's none that seeks after God. The Bible says every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. So when we say, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? You have to ask yourself, who's good? The Bible says nobody's good. God's good. And our, the goodness that we have, if any of us have any goodness, is Christ in us. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to weep and a time to laugh. Um, and then he says in Ecclesiastes 3.14, he says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. So really the common denominator in every event that occurs in our life and in the world is God, is, is, is a sovereign God that is in control. So the question we need to ask ourselves when we're confronting situations that we say are bad things or things that we don't like, we need to ask ourselves, who will you praise? The God who gives or the God who takes away? What God will you praise? And that's the message title this morning is who will you praise? And um, you know, you and I as Christians, and I think a lot of times we say this, but we don't really understand what it means when we say that God is sovereign. Like he is like, he is, he is an ultimate, complete, and total control. And you say, well, that's impossible. You know, the murders and abortion and all the, the wars and all the things that are taking place on the earth, and you're standing before me and you're telling me that, that God is sovereign? Yes, I am. Because if he wasn't sovereign, he wouldn't be Lord. He, he's sovereign. So we need to understand that as Christians. And, and so uh, God is sovereign. It means he's preeminent in power and authority. Like he's, he's at the top. He doesn't report to anybody. He doesn't answer to anybody. He's not trained by anybody. He's not educated by anybody. God is like he's supreme. God, God is at the top. Then God, God is all-powerful. In Psalm 147.5, it says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. Um, that's not something we can say about any man. Now, some men may claim that, and some people may even look at men today or women and say that that's, that description fits them, but that description is, is for God alone. No, no one else can say that. And then God is outside of time. Psalms 92 says, Before... The mountains were born, or before you had given birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are the eternal God. God always was. And I remember as a young Christian, I used to, uh, you know, used to be, not frustrated, but it used to be difficult for me to understand the concept of eternity. 
like the fact that because we know that everything on in this earth it ends there's a there's a, there's an ending but the bible says that god has given us eternal life so for, for us to comprehend that it's difficult like it's just like you just keep thinking forever and forever and forever but when i read this scripture this is even more difficult for me to understand is god never had a beginning Think about that a little while. You ever do those mind things where you just kind of like you got to stop because I can't like take this anymore. I can't go back and forth. God never had a beginning. God always was. That's the God we serve. That, that's the God that we worshiped this morning. Um, and then God is responsible for the creation of everything. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's not, there's nobody else mentioned there but God. <laughs> In the beginning, God, God created everything. The Bible says God created everything that is seen and everything that, that is unseen. So, but God's um, sovereign, sovereignty, and this is where I think we get a little tripped up sometimes, God's sovereignty does not remove man's free will. There was, so you say, well, God's sovereign and these bad things happen, these good things happen, all these things happen on earth, and you say, well, if God is sovereign, they're, they're just, all this stuff is just going to happen anyway, so I just may as well wake up and just don't do nothing. We have a free will. Um, I know you, 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 I don't think any of you were forced to come here this morning. Maybe some of the kids were, but I don't think any adults, you, you were forced to come here. Um, I have a free will. I came here. If I wanted to and I'm not going to do this, I could, I could just walk right out of here. I'll go get in my car and I'm going to go drive home. In other words, we're not, but, but it doesn't remove God's sovereignty. Do y'all see what I'm saying? It's so important for us to understand this because we say we trust God. Well, we have to trust in his sovereignty. No, we don't just trust him when it makes sense or we understand or we can explain it. God is sovereign. He's, he's, he's in total and complete control of everything. So um, God has the power. I think this is on the screen. God has the power and knowledge to prevent anything he chooses to prevent. So anything that does happen must, at the very least, be allowed by God. You see what, I'm, see, see what that says? In other words, God, God can change anything, but, but anything that happens, God had to give that permission for that to take place. Again, if that wasn't the case, he wouldn't be Lord. He, he, he would just be a man, but, 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 he, but he is Lord. So... What God wants you and I to do in everything is just trust his sovereignty. Just trust God. And we sang so many songs this morning, just, you know, worshiping God and thanking God for his goodness and thanking God for everything that he is and everything that he's, that he's done for us. And um, to, see, to see him and him only in all things, no matter what it is that we're facing. And he will, I believe, do whatever he desires to do to cause us to see him and to praise him. And he will remove anything we cling to so that all that's left is him. You know, that's one of the things that God showed me too as a, as a younger Christian is that God doesn't like anything that competes with his allegiance. In other words, he, why? Because again, he's, he's at the top. I know a lot, you know, a lot of men, you know, we think we're at the top. You, well, you're not at the top. God is. <laughs> God, God's in control and God, God will do, he, he, will, he will take anything or his desire is to remove anything from us that competes with our allegiance to him, that, that interferes with that, that competes with that, with, with that allegiance. So when you look at the Bible, there's a lot of uh, stories like you could look at, a lot of scriptures to look at, but I believe the one 
that best illustrates the sovereignty of God and how we respond to his sovereignty is the story of Job. And uh, many of you in here are probably familiar with the story of Job. Uh, um, you know, the, 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 the thrust of the story is really in the first couple of chapters. But if you read the whole book, and it's, Job's a very long book, um, but there's a lot of stuff in the, in the rest of the book of Job that's very um, informative, very re revelation. Even the guys, that his friends were criticizing him, and they were telling him it was because he was a sinner. But, but even in the exchanges that they had in the rest of the book, there's a lot of things that you can really glean from and learn and get revelation from. So I would just encourage you, even though it's a long book, um, don't just stop at the fun part, the beginning where we see all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Really, the ending is the best part when you get to the very end of the end of the story. But I believe Job is that. And so, but you know, when we consider the story of Job, we we concentrate on his suffering and his great loss. That you know, a lot most Christians, if you if you tell them what's the story of Job about, well, he's the guy that just suffered. He he lost. You know, he had everything, and God just everything everything was taken away from him. And um, we know that the Bible says that Job was very wealthy. Um, he had seven sons and three daughters. He had uh, multiple uh, livestock, her camels. He had servants, all these different things. He was, he was extremely wealthy. But the Bible also says that he was upright and God-fearing, the kind of guy you'd want to be. He, he worshiped God. He honored, he honored God. So, but but um, when we look at this, his story, I believe, reveals to us the secret to the relationship that God desires with each of us. And, um, and what I want to do is concentrate not so much on what happened to Job, but how did Job respond? Because that, I believe, is that this is just me speaking. I know there's a lot of things that we can learn from Job. But I believe the, the biggest thing, the main thing that it was that God wanted us to see was how Job responded. How, how did he respond to this? So... Um, I'm not going to read the whole part, but the, the story begins, be, begins by telling the, the, how great this man was, how wealthy he was. Again, he was upright, God-fearing, all of those things. And then I'll pick it up here in Job chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does, does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to pick it up now in Job chapter 1, verse 20. And this is, there was all the things that, that if, this is when Job suffered all the loss. His children were killed, his servants were killed, his livestock was taken, his, every, he was in complete ruin. The only thing that was left was him and his wife. That, that, that's all, everything was removed from him. And then in verse 20, it says that this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and worshiped and said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this, Job did not sin by charging God 
with wrongdoing. And uh, what a, just what a remarkable response here. And there's so much we can glean from this. But you see, God, God was testing Job. That's what God does to us. God doesn't tempt us. The Bible says we, God, God cannot tempt us. But I believe God allows things in our life to happen to test us, to see if our faith is genuine. Like we say we trust God. We say we trust Jesus. We, all those things. Well, well I, I believe there's times God allows testing to happen to, to see what? Is it real? Is it genuine? Do you, do you really do this? So, so we, we, see that, we see this here. But the way that um, Job responded, I believe we can answer this. So I believe there's three questions in this story that, um, that Job answers that we need to answer ourselves. And the first one is in verse 9 here. It says, it says does, jo- does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. So the first thing we need to ask ourselves is, do you trust God or man? Do you trust God or man? And what, a, what an intriguing question. And this is really interesting. This is really the only place I find in the Bible where God and Satan are like, they're, they're having an exchange. I mean, they're, they're having a conversation. And I believe this is probably a window into what takes place probably a lot. I mean, this is not just unique just to Job's story. That could be taking place for us, for, for any, of, any of us in this room. But, but Satan, asked, Satan asked God, he says, does Job... Does Job trust God? Does Job fear God for nothing? And what, what Job was implying was, is that the only re- what Satan was implying was the only reason why Job fears God is because God has blessed him so much. He, he's put a hedge around him, he said. He, he's given him everything, all this wealth, all these, these beautiful children, his livestock, you know, everything that he has, the Bible says. But Satan believed that if all of those things were removed, that what would Job, what would Job do? He would curse God to his face. So, so, and, and so God said, well, go ahead, you, 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 you can do that. And um, so what if that question was asked of you? Do you fear God for nothing? In other words, do you fear God for who he is or for what he does? Or what he doesn't do? Or what we want him to do? That's a question I think all of us need to ask ourselves is if, if and I don't, I'm not preaching this message because I want this to happen to us, and I, I don't believe it will. But we have, to, we have to recognize that we need to place ourselves in a position that no matter what comes our way, I'm going to trust God. It doesn't matter what it is. I don't understand it. I don't like it. It doesn't make any sense. It was wrong. It was bad. It was unfair. All those different things, I'm going to still trust God. That, that, that's it. So... So we need to ask ourselves that. Do we fear God for nothing? Um, Psalms 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. This is King David writing this Psalm 23. And David said in the Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. In other words, I have, in some translations, I think, say, I have all that I need. So David understood that God was all that he needed, not, not man or not, not his, his possessions or the things that he had. And so, um, and I did a series on this one time, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but, but the, the, uh, the Hebrew name for the Lord in the Old Testament is Jehovah. When we say Jehovah, uh, that, that's, that's the name they would use when they would say, we say Lord, we say God. There's, there's other names, but, but that's the one we translate the most, Jehovah, in, into the Lord. 
And um, so in the Bible, there's compound names for Jehovah that gives us a, a deeper meaning or deeper understanding of who Jehovah is. And we need to know the God that we serve. So if you, I don't know if that's going to come up on the screen there, Ruby, the next, um, the next slide there says, so he's Jehovah Elohim, which means the Lord is our creator. That, that's who God is. The Bible, the Bible gives that name to God. Why? Because God is creator. <laughs> he, he created everything. Then he's, he's Jehovah Jireh. That's my favorite one. God's your provider. The government's not your provider. Your employer's not your provider. Your 401k is not your provider. God is your provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. I, I claim that over this church. I, I claim it over my finances in my life. I speak Jehovah Jireh. God, you are, you will provide. He, he, he is, he is your provider. So you, you speak that. And then he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. He, he's your healer. That's Jesus. Jesus is our healer. When we, when we pray for people in our church, we, we pray in the name of Jesus, be healed. Why? Because the Bible says by his stripes and by his wounds, we are healed. That's what God says. That's not because the tabernacle church does that. We're being obedient to what the word of God says. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's the Lord, our banner. He's a, he, he, he goes before us. He's like our shield. He's our, he, he's our, he fights. He fights for us. He's He's Jehovah Nisi, and he's Jehovah Shalom. Most of y'all know that one. He's the Lord, our peace. All these things are found in God, not in men. <laughs> see, that's the, that's the focus. See, the, fo the, focus, the focus is on God. And see, God wants us to trust him for everything because God understands he is all you need. God is everything that we need. Psalms uh, 60 says, give us aid against the enemy. I love this. For human help is worthless. <laughs> With God, we will gain the victory, and we will trample down our enemies. You got to give God. You got to go to God. <laughs> go to God first. Go to God. What is it about? What did you seek first? The kingdom of God. You're facing something. You, you're struggling with the decision. You need wisdom. You need guidance. Go to God. Go first to God and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. Why? Because you are all these things to me. You, you, are, you are all these things. So we got to put, put our trust in God and not, and, and not in man. And, um, you know, a, a lot of people, and I, I know we, politics is a big thing now, and I don't, I, I don't follow it as much as I used to. And, um, and, and uh, you know, the guy that, 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 that didn't win last time is, you know, I, I think, hey, that's a, he, I, would, I would pick him. But I'll say this, that's not my trust. My trust is not in a man or a politician. And I believe what happens, and even in the church, we have to be very careful of this. They will say, man, I love Jesus. I love God. I trust God, all of that. But we'll put, we, we don't realize that we're putting our hope in that, in a man or in a politician or in, a, uh, you know, in government or whatever. And we think, well, if that fails or if that doesn't work the way I think it should work or the way I believe God wants it to work, then God has failed. God has not failed. He's still sovereign. It doesn't matter who's sitting in the White House. It matters who's sitting on the throne. His name is Jesus. So it doesn't mean, yes, we fight for our country. We want, we want our country to succeed. We want it to be blessed. We want to leave a country that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good place for our children, our grandchildren, all of those things. I get that, and I'm all, I'm all for that. But at the end of the day, my trust is in God, not a man. So that's so important for us, for us to understand that. And um, so we have to ask ourselves, has anything in your life 
becomes something that you trust more than God. It could, it could be your finances. It could be your, you know, your, your retirement. And none of, those, none of those things are wrong. It's not wrong. That, that's prudent. That's being good stewards of what God has given us. But as those things come to a spot where my trust is in that more than it is in God, then there's an issue. There's, there's a problem with that. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we, 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 have, to, we have to decide that our trust, our trust is in God. And so um, that's the first question that, that, that Job answered for us. That we need, do we fear God for nothing? That, that is so crucial for us to get that, that God, and because and a lot of things happen. Look, like, bad, like I said, bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. All, all these things are going to take place. Why? Because God is sovereign. But all in the midst of everything that's happening in our lives, God wants to know you still trust in me. Now, it's easy to stand here in this room and say that because we're not like right I mean, you could be in the battle, but you're in this room. But when you get home or you're confronted with it or at your job or whatever it is that you're facing, and when you're in the midst of the, of the battle, then it's difficult. But that's what God wants us to do. Do you fear God for nothing? That, that, God wants total, 100% allegiance because he, there's no one that can, can compete with him. <laughs> he's, he's the only one. He's, the, he's Lord. Okay, so the next question we need to ask ourselves is verse 12. It says, the Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So the next question we need to answer is, does, God, does anything happen in my life without God's permission? And that we were sharing that earlier. And this, this is a, um, a difficult question for us to, a different difficult question for us to answer when we, when we consider that. Does everything that happened in my, in my life does it happen without the permission of God? And again, I believe this story of Satan and God having this exchange is very revealing to us. It's almost like God pulled the curtain back and kind of gave us a glimpse of what's happening up there in heaven. <laughs> like when these things are going on, that affects those of us who live on earth. And God pulled it back a little bit and kind of gave us a glimpse of, the, of what, what this is about. But notice what, what the Bible says there. Um, the, the, the Bible says, the Lord said to Satan, very well, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself. In other words, Satan couldn't do anything without God giving him permission to do so. See, his sovereignty. See, I trust, I, I trust God. I, I, I'm trusting God. And um, so um, Job, Job lost everything, his servants, his animals, his property, and his children. And, um, but this, this goes to the heart of God's, of God's sovereignty. And um, so really... Again, the story of Job is not so much about his suffering, but it's about his trust in God, the way he responded to God. And I didn't read the, read the scripture, but if you remember the story, and it's interesting that God did this. He, God took all of his servants and all of his children, but God left his wife. And his wife was the only one that's recorded that tells Job, why don't you just curse God and die? So I'm thinking, why didn't God take her? I mean, I mean she, she got it all wrong. And guess what Job said? This is so, this is so good. God said, are we only, Job said, are we only going to accept good from God and not evil? Think about that. Like we're all, we're, we're all, we're, we never tell God, quit giving me all the good stuff. We never say that. 
We never, I don't, I, I, if you are, you're, you're, you're unique. You, you never tell God, quit giving me everything good. But how many times have we told God, quit giving me the bad stuff? But Job, see, look, look at the revelation. Think about this. That's what I believe the key to this whole book is, is the way Job responded. Did he suffer? Was he, he, he even said it in his exchange with his friends. He said, I wish the day that I was born never happened. He, he wished he could just erase it. That, that, and yes, of course, that's a, that's a natural feeling that you would have. He, he, he lost so much. But in spite of all of that, he still trusted God. That somehow, some way, God, his allegiance was to God. <laughs> and see, God knew that. See, Satan was messing with the wrong guy. <laughs> Satan thought he had this one. He said, man, I got, I got this in the bag. He's got all this wealth, all these children, all this stuff. As soon as he take all that from him, that, he'll be out of here in two seconds. Satan got it wrong. God was right. Job, Job, Job really did. Job really did fear God. And um, so we have to understand that that's who God is, that we trust him and um, with, with everything that, that happens in our lives. And uh, so, you know, Christians associate God doing good things and Satan doing bad things. And the Bible does say that God is good. However, sovereignty says he allows or gives permission for both the good and the bad. That, that's God. Now, that doesn't mean God likes that. And, and then you have to also insert the element of sin when you talk about things that happen in the world. People say, well, why is all of these things happening in the world? This, these murders, the, you know, this, this ungodly wickedness and immorality, all the things that, that are going on in the world. Why? Why? Because of sin. That's the result of sin. That's fallen man. That's, that's corrupt, fallen man that made a decision to disobey God. And all of us are in that condition until we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's our place. We're, 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 we're condemned. We're corrupt. We're, we're separated. We're lost. All of those things that, 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 that sin does. So, but everyone wants to ask, you know, why? You know, when something bad happens, what do you first think? Why did that happen? I don't know. That's, that's difficult sometimes, especially as a pastor, because things happen and people, people might say, well, you know, what? they come into me. Why did this happen? I'm not God. And in a gentle way, depending on what the situation is, you, you try to just, you know, man, look, we, we trust in God. I, I don't like this for you. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I pray that's me. Like, no matter what comes my way or what God allows to happen in my life, that I pray that I will stand as Job stood. And, and I, will, I won't like the suffering, but I will not deny God. I will not curse God. I will not walk away. I will not walk away from God. So Psalm 115 says, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Now, that, that's, to us, that sounds kind of arrogant for, us, for God to say, I can do whatever I want. But at the end of the day, that's really what, what, what it's saying is God can do whatever he wants to do. You say, well, that, that's not God. Yes, it is. God it says it right there. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. So we got to trust. Again, we're trusting God. We're trusting his, his sovereignty. We're trusting who he is. And um, so the final question we need to answer is in verse 20 and 22. It says that this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. 
The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all of this Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. So the next question is, who will you praise, the God who gives or the God who takes away? See, it's easy to praise the God who gives. It's easy, to, but it's difficult to praise God when he, when he takes away. And Job understood that his circumstance didn't change who God was. You, you understand that? You, in other words, what happens in the world? Wars, famine, earthquakes, hurricanes, you know, uh, cancer, uh, sickness, all those... All of those things that happen does not change who God is. Job understood that. And he said, he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but may the name of the Lord forever be praised. So that's what I want to do. See, it's, it's easy sometimes to praise God when things are going good, but guess what God wants you to do? To find a way to praise him when things aren't going good, when you're frustrated, when when it's just life gets frustrating. We've we all been there. It's just like things are like, it's just like a web. Like everything is a, like I'm stuck to everything. It's it just, I just can't break free of nothing. Even in those moments when it's difficult and you're struggling, what does God want us to do? I'm going to praise him. See, because no matter what it is, it doesn't change God. He's still Lord. And Job got this. And Job probably passed the greatest test of any of us. I don't, I don't pray that on anybody. And there's no other place in the Bible where it says anybody suffered as much as he did. But so Job really gave us the, the bar. He, he raised the bar so high because he lost everything. We say, well, you know, I'm not, he lost it all. But what did he do? He still praised God. He praised him. He, he, he trusted, he trusted in God and, and, and uh, he, he, he humbled himself. He didn't, you know, Job, he didn't react in bitterness to God. Again, he didn't curse God. You know, a lot of times we, you know, we shake our fist at God and we, you know, God, why, why, why? Job just humbled himself and he was just broken before God and just trusted God and all that. That's what God w wants us to do. Um, he maintained his composure and his self-control. He was, yes, he was broken. He was distraught. He was suffering, all those things. But Job just, he just, he had, again, he was God-fearing. Imagine a relationship that he had with God to be able to be so strong. I want that. Don't you? Yes, we should desire that. That God, I want to be that close to you so that no matter what happens, your name will always be praised. I'll fear God. Does that make sense? See, that, that's what God wants. And um, so, see, he said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. We're, gonna, we're just going to praise God. We're going we're gonna to honor God. We're going we're gonna to worship God. And see, this gets into another thing, and y'all have heard me say this before. If you're serving God as a Christian based on your emotions, that's not going to work. Because what happens to emotions? They're up, like, I could wake up tomorrow and I could be on top of the world. Or I could wake up tomorrow and I could be at the bottom of the pit. It doesn't matter. See, my, my emotions, the way I feel doesn't change who I am in Christ and it doesn't change who God is so if you're and I see this with Christians they especially if they have a salvation experience that's very emotional which does nothing wrong with that that's that's a that's a good thing God's moving God's convicting he's he's doing all those things but but if if you walk away from that experience and you think that your whole walk is going to be based on emotions you're not going to make it 
Because emotions are like, they're all over the place. So what do I base my Christian life on? The truth. What did Jesus say? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He didn't say you shall know a feeling, you shall know a religion, you shall know a man. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Big difference. So truth, for me, carries me. Because, you know, we all, we're there, we look at the world, we're in the world, we, things happen, all of that, and you're like, man, I don't get this. It's still true. Jesus is the Son of God. Salvation is found in no one else. God's still Lord. God is to see that's truth. See, that, that sustains us. It's, just, it's true. It, does, it doesn't matter what, you know, what circumstances or what it is that's happening in our lives. And um, so, you know, a lot of times we are quick to say that the Lord gives and the devil, the devil takes. And, um, and Job could have said that, you know, that the Lord gives and the, and the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans, which was the ones that came and routed the land and took his herds and his, his servants and all have taken away. But, um, but, but Job said, no, God, Job gave God the glory and the honor in his circumstance and in, and in his situation. His condition did not change who the Lord was. And um, so th this is so, th to me, this is kind of like one of the fundamentals of Christianity. I, I believe that, 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 we, that you grasp this concept that, that, that this is real trust. It's not just I say I trust God or I have a religion or whatever you, you can put in there. You really, do you really trust God? Do you really? Then I'm going to praise him no matter what happens because he is still, he's, he, is on, he is on his throne. And um, so let me ask you just to stand to your feet this morning, please. You know, a lot of times you think of the story of Job and it seems kind of depressing and, and all of that, and it is, but if you read the end of the story, I don't want to spoil the movie for you, but at the end of the story, Job gets back twice as much as what he lost. Now, here's the key to that. Did Job know that that was going to happen? No. But guess what? He still trusted. He still trusted God. So guess who had the last word? God did. See, Satan thought he was going to have the last word. God had the last word. And all his friends, Job, the Bible says, them friends that were criticizing him, if Job wouldn't have prayed for them, God was going to take them out. He was going to kill them. He said, God said, go pray for them. Go pray for them. They, they were all wrong. And God, and God stepped in, and God, God, God saved the day for him. Amen. Hallelujah. Well,